Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene and Lori. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Hey, it's Lori, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the Fight for Your Marriage podcast. I'm so glad that you're here, and today I'm on the microphone alone, but I hope that you will stick around with me and um, talk through what we're going to be talking about today, which is a question um, I want to try to answer that we see very often. And the question is, how do I know that I'm supposed to stand for my marriage? loaded question, right? It's a big question that we see and people struggle with it. And they struggle with understanding if they are really supposed to wait on God's timing and stand for the restoration of their marriage. So I want to talk about that today. Um, First, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Problems, disappointment, discouragement, fill in the blank with any number of words that may describe how you're feeling today. And that might be something that you're saying, I don't want to talk about, should I stand for my marriage? I'm so overwhelmed with these feelings. Or maybe today's a good day and tomorrow or two weeks from now, you're going to be facing at least one of those feelings of disappointment, discouragement, overwhelm, fill in the blank. We've all been there. We would love to go through life and not have any problems. I know I would. It would be very simple. But we have to recognize that because we live in a sin-filled world that has been tainted, it's not possible. We are going to have hardships in our life. And there's many places in the scriptures that we can find assurance that despite the hardships we face, the Lord has promised to be with us. He guides us. One place that I can think of is in Psalm chapter 9. And starting in verse 9, it says, The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. And that is such a powerful scripture and such a powerful reminder, because it doesn't say that sometimes God has forsaken those who seek you, or for some of the people, he will not forsake them. But it says that he has never forsaken those who seek him. And we have to be honest with ourselves and realize that regardless of what we're facing, that the Lord is carrying us through. God's peace is enough for the trials that you are facing today. God's peace is enough for the trials that I am facing. His peace will be enough for what tomorrow is going to hold. Psalm 56 tells us that God doesn't just see our tears, but that he has them in a bottle. And so he knows the hardship that we face, and he knows the tears that are being shed. He knows the hurt and the feelings, but he can still give us peace in the midst of that. Philippians 4, 6 is a verse that you probably know and love and probably could use being reminded of today. And it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And I love the part that it says with thanksgiving. It's not just about us vomiting our prayer list to the Lord and our complaints and our pleas and our, will you please do this and fix this and change this person? But it is about presenting our request and knowing that he is in control. 
as you try to answer the question, how do I know if I'm supposed to stand for my marriage? Because it is a question that you have to answer. I want you to think about the vows that you made on the day you took a covenant with your spouse. And people will sometimes ask us, I didn't get married in a church. Does it matter? Or we got married by this person or that person. God is not confined to a church. He's not confined to a courtroom. He is not confined to the backyard of your grandma's ranch. It doesn't matter where you got married. God was there with you and you made a covenant that day with your spouse in front of God. It was the three of you coming together and you were making a vow. And that's what a covenant is. It's a binding together and it can't just be undone. You can't have a covenant with six people and get married multiple times and think that those are all covenants. It's a sacred thing between you and your spouse Um, Right now, we are in the depths of marriage preparation in my family. I have four kids, three kids that were born within 18 months of each other because we had twins and then we had another one. And we are right now planning two weddings and we are probably going to have a third wedding coming in the few months after we complete our second wedding. And so we are very deep in wedding preparation over here. And as you can imagine, um, I am very deep in marriage preparation, and it's something that we've talked to our kids about for years before they even started liking boys or girls. We we started um, talking to them about marriage and about the importance of marriage and about what grandma and grandpa went through. And grandpa, before he passed away, shared, you know, about the importance of marriage and about the vows. And for um, my daughter Kayla's wedding, they were talking about if they wanted to do um, a candle lighting ceremony where, you know, you see the unity candle or some people in a ceremony will do like a um, braid and they'll make a braid and just something to signify like we are committing with Christ that this marriage is the three of us together. And Kayla's fiance, Odane, said, we want to do a sand ceremony because sand cannot be picked out from other pieces of sand. And he said, somebody can unbraid that cord. And I love the scripture says a cord of three is not easily broken. And I understand what Odane means. But when you have sand together, he said that just signifies that it's going to take an impossible situation to undo that sand. And the symbolism of that is so beautiful because we think as a society that we enter marriages for a season and for a short time and until something happens. And that's not what happened. When you made a vow to your spouse on the day you got married, you committed to love that person for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, in bankruptcy, in the good times and the bad times, with kids, without kids, and through infertility, through the death or destruction or fires or whatever will come. I don't think many of you probably put a, I will love you and commit to this, until this happens. And I want you to think about those vows that you made. I don't know what led to your marriage problems. Your spouse may have left home. Maybe there was another person involved. And I'm so truly sorry for whatever you faced that got you to this point. 
but I don't want to apologize for the fact that God can use this and he can use the heartbreak that you have been through. And this is his story to write. He has given you an assignment. He has called you to this. When God called Moses to lead the people out of Egypt, it happened with the help of a burning brush. And I know that many of us would love to see a burning bush because it would make us feel like God really showed us what his will was. But right now, your burning bush may be a website. It might be rejoiceministries.org. Your burning bush might be that friend or that relative that has shown you what the word says about marriage and the covenant of marriage and what God's will is. After Moses had his interaction with the burning bush and with God, it was followed in Exodus 3 with Moses having a heart to heart with God, trying to make sure that God knew that Moses was not qualified for the task. He felt unprepared and unqualified, but God, as we love to say, if Moses could do it in his strength, why did he need God? God was the one who was going to equip Moses and qualify him, and God's the one who will equip and qualify you. If you can manipulate marriage restoration in your own power, why do you need God? You don't. You cannot do it in your power. You need the God of the universe to guide you through every step of this journey. There's so many scriptures that talk about marriage. And as we're talking about answering this question, I want you to, while you're thinking about your vows, to go look up the scriptures about marriage. You can grab your Bible and look in the back in the concordance. You can go online, Google, what does the Bible say about marriage if you need to, but go do a study about marriage and what the scriptures say. One of my favorite scriptures is Mark 10, 9, which says, therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And I love the briefness of that scripture and the impact that it says, let no one separate. Romans 12 talks about being devoted to one another in brotherly love and how we should honor each other above ourselves. And if we're trying to have an attitude of love and thinking of others above ourselves, that would include our spouse. So how can we not pray and stand in the gap for our spouse? I know it feels like the story that is unfolding in your life right now of separation or divorce or whatever situation you are facing right now with your marriage feels like it's all about you. It's about your rejection and about your heartbreak. And while it is a portion about you, this is about God. This is his story. Charlene is not the hero in the restoration that took place in her marriage 35 years ago. My dad, Bob, the prodigal, is not the hero. Their story is all about God. It's all his praise and honor because of what he did. This is his story. Get to the point and ask God to help you get to that point where you stop worrying that you're looking like a fool. Your spouse is not rejecting you personally. Your spouse is rejecting Christ. They're rejecting the covenant that they made the day you're married. Stop making it about you being made a fool of and let Christ take this from you. 
I've said it so many times before. If your spouse was diagnosed with a terminal disease, what would you do? Would you leave them? How about if your child was involved in an accident and they were confined to a wheelchair for the rest of their life? What would happen if your brother or your sister became addicted to a substance? Would you abandon them? Would you try to get them treatment? Would you find the best treatment center for them? Would you find your child the best doctor in the United States or in whatever country you're in to care for them? If those people pushed you away during their pain, would you walk away and leave them alone? Or would you stay and pray and fight for God's healing in their life? That's what's happening with your marriage right now. And right now, whether your spouse admits it or not, they have given in to the temptation of the world. And that temptation may have been the thought that they never loved you, so they feel like they deserve to be happy with someone else. Or that temptation may be another person that they've given too much attention to. The temptation can be any number of things, but no person is too far gone for the Redeemer of this world to save. And I am in no way excusing the decisions that your spouse has made. I hear stories day after day, and I wonder how human beings can treat other humans, much less their spouse, the mother or father of their child, with so much hurt and despair. But then I read a scripture and I see how the Lord tells us that the enemy is sly and we have to be on guard. Don't say that you have to stand for marriage restoration. This is one of those things that you get to do. If you're standing for marriage restoration, you are in an elite group. You've been given an assignment because you know the option. You know that there's hope for your marriage. You're being asked to put action behind the vows that you made. You get to live out what God calls us to do by loving your spouse right now when they may not look too lovable. Ask yourself, what is God's best for your marriage? And go to the scriptures and find your answer when you're doing your study about marriage. We were recently cleaning out some old files and I came across some old newsletters from the very early days of this ministry. And I loved reading article after article written by people just like you, but they were names and stories that I recognized. Today, most of those people have a restored marriage. I read those articles where they declared that they were not giving up on their spouse and they were preparing for a battle. And these people got to see the victory. Don't give up before you see the victory. In each of these situations where I read these articles from the newsletter, there was what would have looked like a hopeless situation to man, but God. It is going to take two people willing to have a restored marriage. But today, it can start with one, and that one is you. It only takes one person drawing a line in the sand and saying, I love you, and I'm praying that you will surrender your life to Christ and be fully committed to him and to the vows that we made to one another. It starts with one person showing that unconditional love. That's the love of Christ. Jesus loves people that reject him. Jesus loves people that hurt him. So are we trying to be like Jesus or are we on the hunt for what we deserve? Today, I want to challenge you to chase after Jesus 
not because it's going to make your miracle of restoration happen any sooner, but because you want to be fully surrendered to Jesus and be like him. He is going to qualify you for the assignment that he has given you. He is going to equip you. When those days come when the hopelessness is so overwhelming, you can't find the energy to take your next breath, recognize where that defeat is coming from and ask the Lord to help you face the next hour or the next minute. You are a beloved child of God, and he has allowed this story for this season. So use it for his glory. Don't fear tomorrow. You aren't the one being put to shame. God is in control of this situation, and this is his story. Will you be willing to surrender your will for his will and trust his timing while he writes the story of your life? That's the true question to ask yourself. I want to pray over you right now with a prayer that my mom wrote from scripture and I will make this available on the show notes so you can have a copy of it if you want to print it out to have in the future. But if you have been around for any length of time, you know that my mom loves personalized scriptures. She loves taking the word of God and making it personal for us and for the people that we're praying for. And it is such a love letter to us. And it's such a nice way to be able to do that as we're praying for our spouse And so I want to just pray this over you, and um, I hope that today that you will find the resolve to know that despite what you're facing and despite what the circumstances look like, there is hope for your marriage, but it has to start with you. You can't give up. There has to be one that will stand up and say, I'm willing to take the first step, and that's you today. Let me pray this over you now. Lord, I call to you. Come quickly to me. Hear my voice when I call to you. Thank you, Lord, that you will answer me and tell me great and unsearchable things that I do not know. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Rescue me from my enemies, O Lord, for I hide myself in you. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me and my spouse in the way everlasting. Have mercy on us, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out our transgressions. Wash away all our iniquities and cleanse us from our sins. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Let my heart and my spouse's heart not be drawn to what is evil. I keep asking you to fill us with the knowledge of your will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I pray that we all may live a life worthy of the Lord and we may please you in every way. I pray that you will open my spouse's eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in you. 
I pray that my spouse will repent and turn to you, Lord, and prove their repentance by their deeds. For you have rescued each of us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son you love, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I keep asking that our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give my spouse the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you better. I pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order so that we may know the hope to which you have called us, the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints. I pray that me and my spouse will live by the Spirit and not gratify the desires of our sinful nature. May you fill us with the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I pray that we may be delivered from the wicked and evil men, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect us from the evil one. I pray that you will cleanse us from all our impurities and all our idols. You will give each of us a new heart and a new spirit in us. You will remove from us our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. Thank you, Lord, that I am not afraid or discouraged because of this vast problem. For this battle is not mine, but yours. Thank you, Lord, that I can do everything through you who gives me strength. And you will meet all of my needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your promises that what you have said, that what you will bring about, that what you have planned, that what you will do. Thank you that your word goes out from your mouth and it will not return to you empty, but it will accomplish what you desire and achieve the purpose for which you sent it. Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, for nothing is impossible with you. Thank you, Lord, for healing and restoring our marriage. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.